Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. And we are recording. Yes, we are. It's not as cold out there as it was a couple weeks ago, is it? Remember how cold it was? No, it was gorgeous. I was just out there. It's like spring. It's like spring. I, I don't want to. I don't want to jump to conclusions, but it was spring-like. It's February, so don't get used to used to it. It ain't over. Have you seen your shadow yet, Phil? <laughs> yes, it's very large. It's a very large <laughs> shadow. Buffalo Bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. So here we are back again. Um, and that's uh, Bill Bill Sutton, who did not see his shadow last week. Hey, Bill. Hey, Matt. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. Very good. And uh, Joe Shaw's with us again this week. Hey, Joe. Hey, Annette. I'm Joe Shaw. I'm the executive editor of the Express News Group. And I'm Annette Hinkle, and I'm the arts and living editor of the Express News Group. And also joining us this week is Michael Wright, senior reporter, who covers a lot of things in East Hampton and things elsewhere as well. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. Hanging in there. So this week, we're talking accessory apartments or structures, I should say. I don't know what you want to call them. But these are those um, those little um, units that people often put in their backyards when they can that would allow another person to live there or two people. Sometimes they're attached to the house. Sometimes they're little separate dwellings. But there's been it's been difficult to develop these things. And the East Hampton Town Board is now looking at the idea that maybe some of these um, these units can be constructed in order to help solve at least a minuscule portion of our affordable housing crisis here on the East End. So with that, Mike, do you want to jump in and talk about what came up this week at East Hampton Town Board? Um, yeah, East Hampton has, uh, I mean, like everything affordable housing, East Hampton is leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else uh, and is trying to stay that way. Um uh, they they've been working. They they introduced a law back in 2016 that allows people to create a legal accessory dwelling on a residential property, which you know generally you wouldn't be allowed to have two separate dwellings on a single family uh, home property. Um, they introduced this law. It allows you to create the um, the apartment originally just in the main dwelling, so you could sort of create an apartment in your basement or on a second floor um, or, you know, partition the house uh, and rent that out. And um, they, they you know, started off uh, modestly. Um, they said you couldn't do it on properties of less than an acre because they're worried about, um, you know, density and crowding uh, on properties. And they said um, that it had to be in the in the main structure um fairly quickly they saw that there weren't getting much interest um a few people did it mostly mother daughter type situations uh they uh, a couple of years ago i think 2019 i feel like it was before the pandemic they uh, they lowered it to 3 quarters of an acre and they started saying that you could do it in detached accessory structures which would mean somebody could build a garage and put an apartment above it which would mean you wouldn't have strangers living you know sort of in your house sharing your walls with you 
Um, and, you know, I mean, my whole life out here, you know, garage apartments above garages were super popular because it is kind of nice. You know, you pull in, you've got your own living space. Yes. You know, somebody else is on the property, depending on the arrangement of the property. It can be, you know, very separate. Um, you might not ever really cross paths. Um, so that, you know, that seemed like that would be very appealing. There's been very few of them. I think um, a total of uh, originally they said that you could have 20 in each of the town's five school districts. Um, I, I believe one school district has used all 20 and all the other four have only used like 28. There's been 48 of them created out of the hundred that would have been allowed um, they have almost exclusively been families, um, people that created a space for, I think, usually an aging family member, um, you know, a widow or a widower. But that's OK, right? Because, I mean, that was that's part of the part of the goal. Yeah, that that's fine. Yep, that's no, no. Yeah. To a certain extent, it was definitely. Um, and it does, you know, it does open up housing theoretically because presumably that person is coming from somewhere else uh in a lot of instances it's a younger family member of you know a son or daughter uh who is trying to stay in the community can't afford to buy a house yet you know they can put in this apartment i don't know i assume they charge some reduced rent and it gives them an opportunity to uh to try and get their footing when they're young and and remain in the community what do you think accounted for the reticence, though, uh, of of people to take advantage well, of? Well, so and that so that's what that's what happened this week. So this week they introduced the sort of the third bite of the apple, and it actually is the third extended discussion of uh, ways around it because what they found in looking at it is that people just you know some of the reticence is just that you don't want strangers living on your property with you, and not everybody's eager for that. But also, you know, the financial incentive is not quite there yet to put up with that because, you know, it, the law requires that they be affordable housing, which means they put a cap on what the rent is. And, you know, construction out here is really expensive, yeah. even if it's just, you know, partitioning an area or uh, creating a, an apartment above an existing garage, even, you know, that's not cheap. That could be tens of thousands of dollars. You got to run, you got to run water and water and electric and all that. And yeah. Oh yeah. And let's talk about that. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm, we're doing a little renovation like this in our backyard and the, yeah. the cost is insane. The permitting, I mean, I'm going to go off on the County here, the amount of permitting and inspections and, and the stuff that we've had to shell out just to run a water line from our own well to our it's own part of your problem, little yeah. thing in the back. And we've already got the upgraded septic. It's insane. I mean, I'm just like, yeah. I mean, no wonder people like sell everything and move to some like other kind of state. You know what? There's there's a context here too that, that I think is important is these proposals to add dwelling units by letting people add on to their properties are are really popular with town officials, right? Because yeah, totally. this is a way to do it without actually building apartment buildings and doing, you know, you're you're adding affordable residences. Yeah, and just by their nature, they're gonna be cheap. That that without actually having to go do a whole lot of new construction on brand new properties. So that's why the town's 
want these. And, and you don't have to come in and rezone the whole neighborhood. And you're expecting the taxpayers to foot the bill to create those spaces. Right, exactly. But, but what I was going to say is I wonder now that the uh, community housing fund is in place, if this might be one area where the towns try to bridge that gap. I mean, you talked about the fact that the economics just really aren't there yet. If you're talking about doing what you need to do. Yeah, that's that's exactly what they were talking about. The, the East Hampton Town Board and others have been talking about is that, um, you know, CHF could do subsidized loans to help people pay for the uh, costs of that. And actually, Fred Thiel just introduced legislation at the state level that would make up to $75,000, uh, like, I don't know if it's forgivable loans or, or super low interest loans, I forget what it is, but, um, you know, that's the idea is that you, that's one of the things that you could do is that the CHF and other programs, and you can use, you know, tax rebates and that sort of stuff to, to actually cut down on some of that out of pocket costs uh, from creating these units. Uh, the other thing that you know the town has talked about is 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 ways to find other ways to make it more profitable. Um, they can't, you know, they they've set the limit at one hundred and thirty percent of what the county fair housing price is, which uh, around here is about twenty two hundred, twenty three hundred bucks a month. Um, you know, if you can subsidize the cost, there was a there was a gentleman came to the town board recently who has a one acre property wants to put a uh, an accessory apartment uh, in a in a detached garage building a garage and putting an apartment above it would have been about one hundred and eighty thousand dollars he wow. he estimated uh, which with a fifteen year mortgage would be about sixteen hundred dollars a month uh, payment and he's like you know for six hundred and fifty bucks a month which okay that's fine but you know, that's not really all that you're making because then there's other costs that whittle away at that a little bit, you know, it, it, then that's not worth it. If it was $2,000 a month, no problem. Build it, pay it off. And, you know, that's a, that's a lifetime uh, income. So are they allowed to, I mean, that was what I was wondering, like, let's say you're charging, you know, I don't know, $1,800 to somebody to live in a place. Is the town allowed to like give you more money as the homeowner to bring it up to like a fair market rate? No, no, that wouldn't. Yeah. They, they wouldn't be able to do that. The idea would be that you would lower the upfront costs so that you're, right. you're out of pocket. You know, you're, you're amortizing the loan basically quicker. You're ahead of the, ahead of the curve. But of course we've just finished our project. So there's no way that this is going to work for us, you know? And there's nobody, it's not even done yet, but it's like, we're already out of this conversation because of the amount of money we've already outlaid just to get to this point. Yeah. And right? well, I mean, you know, listen, they haven't actually created any of these CHF right. programs yet. Nobody has. Mm -hmm. and it, that's one of the things that's not really understood. They had to create these plans, but the plans all say, we could do this. We could do that. Nobody's actually introduced a plan that says, this is how we're going to use the money. And this is what, so, you know, is there, is there a, a way to sort of backdate construction that you spent on on that sort of a thing you know i i don't know um you would you would be limited in it you know it has to be year round uh or i mean there's going to be a seasonal component but um it, you know it, it's got to be a it's got to be a long term um agreed upon uh you know i think the rule is going to be that 
it has to be somebody that's working in the town. Um, they they pick that around a little bit because the complication. They're they're easing up on on some of the rules though, right? Like it had to be owner occupied in the main house year round. Yep, yep. It used to be that you had to write. You I mean, it has to be owner occupied. It has to be your principal residence. But they're they're easing up on the whole. You have to be living there year round. So that a snowbird that goes to Florida for four months or five months of the year uh, would still be able to have somebody living in their, you know, accessory apartment. Um, you know, obviously they don't want it to become uh, duplexes where you have, you know, two different families renting the same property. So that's the idea there is that, you know, it's still somebody that lives here uh, providing housing for somebody else that needs housing. But they, you know, they they are trying to walk back, you know, some of the rules that don't seem absolutely necessary, so that you don't have abuses, um, but still make it, you know, may, bring more people into the fold of potential landlords uh, and potential creators of these accessory uh, these accessory dwellings. Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel, be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com 27 Speaks is brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books. Independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sac Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton. They buy books, collections, libraries, individual titles. Very easy process. They handle everything. Do you have books to sell? Call or email today or visit SouthamptonSacHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations, including office positions. I wonder if I wonder if East Hampton is going to be able to find the sweet spot where you make it sort of worthwhile for people to consider doing this, because I, you know, I wonder where that sweet spot is, because if you made it attractive financially, as you said, there are other drawbacks that are keeping people from doing it. And you may not see a rush of property owners to, to create these. Yes, yeah. Some some people are just not going to ever want to do it. Maybe their property. I mean, you know, a half acre property, which, you know, I have a half acre property in Springs and a, and a, uh, another half acre property someplace else can be arranged very differently. You know, it depends on how it would be. My house would be great. I could put a staircase up to the second floor and make an apartment out of uh, out of the sort of top half of the second floor. And it would be no problem. And you would never have to cross paths with the person. You know, yes, you might hear them knocking around or something. But, um, you know, some people are just never going to do it. I, I think if, if, let's say this guy is right about his $180,000 to build an accessory, a, a detached garage and put a nice apartment above it, it can be 600 square feet and he can charge 2300 a month. If that $180,000 is down to $80,000 or $90,000, and now your 15-year mortgage payment is only $800 and you're able to charge $2,300 and clear you know, $1,600, you know, I think that becomes pretty attractive for people that have a, that have a property that- Well, they, they did that with septic grants, right? I mean, why not do it with affordable housing with the, with the CHF yeah. money? I don't, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with 
somebody though that I, I don't with, with the owner occupied element of it if somebody wanted to to invest in a property and rent out the main house for big bucks and then there's an affordable apartment as an accessory unit that you're renting out at an affordable rate what's the difference if they're both rentals i mean why you know? yeah and well and that was and that was one of the things that came up just uh, because the, even the most recent um version of the of the law that the planning department brought to the town board um, did require the landlord to live in the primary structure rather than living in the accessory structure. Now with families that can be, you know, that can be different. Maybe mom and dad move into or mom moves into the apartment and lets the family, you know, their kids and, uh, and grandkids move into the main house. And, uh, you know, both um, supervisor Peter Van Skoyak and councilman um, Sylvia Overby said, why? What do we care? Yeah. Who cares where the landlord's living? Let them go live in the in the accessory structure and rent out the house. You know, I mean, it's still going to be subject to that. It's still going to be subject to that rental limit, which, you know, it probably it would, would it have to be a year round rental, Mike? Because well, that to yes. me, is the, the thing that will worry me is if you can move into the accessory apartment and rent out the big house, depending on what the big mm -hmm. house is, that seems like a recipe for creating more right. seasonal housing rather than year-round right except no 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 well, no they are going to allow seasonal housing but there is going to be controls on that also it's going to be have to be for a seasonal mm. employee it can't be somebody that's just coming out like like sylvia overby said you know it can't be somebody from new york city coming out to write their book for the summer and renting your uh renting your house out how do you manage that though i mean how do you make sure that that's not happening well i mean listen everything Everything's everything's paperwork, right? I mean, yeah. you, you gotta, you're going to have to show that you have a uh, uh, you're employed in East Hampton Town. And one of the things that they said is that, you know, that gets sticky to set a rule like that, because, you know, what if you have somebody that uh, mm -hmm. that comes here and gets a job at Nick and Tony's and then they decide to move to Tuto Olgerno, which is on the Southampton Sound side border of Sag Harbor Village. And, you know, is that fair to make them that now they have to move out of that apartment because they don't work in East Hampton town, but, you know, at the same time, they're like, well, we don't want to provide housing for, um, for Southampton's problems, but, you know, it, that's, that, that's going to be a hard one. Seeds of the problem in there. Though. But they're going to, par they'll parse it. I think they'll end up with, it. it'll just be, you know, it's got to be on the South Fork or something but like that. But I feel like because... Southampton could do the same thing and and say, oh, we're not going to provide housing for East Hampton. I think that the, the towns need to think about this in a regional way. It's just. Yeah, you're both going to have to reciprocate. Um, I don't think that Southampton town is as far along <laughs> in trying to create this kind of law. My question is, is like if you did have one of these accessory structures and took advantage of a, a town maybe helping you to build it, you know, is there a sunset clause? Like, you know, I think that would be a nerve wracking thing too. That the idea you can never ever rent your house out for market rate once you lock into this, you know, like, you know, is there a way to get out of it if you decide that you need to go back to, you know, get a whole big rent? Yeah, rent? no, you, right. I mean, yeah, you, you can have accessory space, but yeah, you couldn't have an apartment that you're renting out separately at market rate. No, you can rent out your house. But I mean, you couldn't, like once, you, once you've committed to having an accessory apartment that is maybe affordable, you can never go back to having it not be that is I guess my question. Right, well, because you're not allowed to have it anyway. If it's not yeah. affordable, you're not, you're not allowed to have an accessory 
dwelling mm-hmm. on your right on under property. under the current zoning. You're not changing the zoning. Right, right, exactly. So, I mean, if you if you decided that you were going to uh, move to Florida but keep your house and rent it in the summers, I think that that apartment would have to be, you know, retroactively removed. But you just have you just have to take the kitchen out and uh, right. But my thing is, if you get if you get a financial benefit from the town and you only keep it as an affordable housing for one season, then you know you owe them money. You yeah. have to pay the town back. Yeah, you'd have to pay that back. Like they would want their money back, basically. Yeah, you would. I mean, listen, they haven't designed any of these rules yet, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> They're not that stupid. <laughs> but I just wonder, is there a time frame? Like if you take this money, you have to maintain this apartment for five years for an affordable person. I don't know. No, it's got to be in, it's gotta be in, in per- perpetuity. Does it's it affordable because because an uh, an apartment wouldn't be allowed on your property under current zoning. But when you sold the if you sold your house, you would just it would just revert to being a, you know what I mean? Like you can't. Well, it would still have to be affordable. Well, either that or you'd have to, like you said, rip the kitchen out, and it becomes just an accessory structure that people can't live in, right? To be honest, I don't know. <laughs> it could be an artist studio, which East Hampton has an allowance for, also. That are separate, but yes, that those aren't allowed to have kitchens or bedrooms. Yeah, right. Um, and they've had problems with that because you know they've caught right. people. In fact, they right. they caught somebody with one of the one of the forty eight accessory uh, apartments that they had approved. They caught that the person wasn't following the rules, and so they expunged it. And you know, I mean, I don't I don't know exactly what the gun to the person's uh, the landlord's head is there, and what they have to do to that property or how this works when a property is sold. Um, I guess it, you would advertise it as saying it has this with this potential income, but if it's not that it's going to have to be, it's going to have to be uh, changed in some way. This is Catherine Manu and I'm the editor of the SAG Harbor Express and co-publisher with my husband, Gavin of the Express News Group. Local community news matters more than ever, with misinformation spreading constantly across the internet. We live in the communities we cover. We are your neighbors, your friends, your family. We tell the good stories and, unfortunately, the bad. We focus on your triumphs and losses. But we can't do this without our subscribers. To subscribe, please visit 27east.com slash subscribe. And thank you for your support. You know, Mike, I know it's in the earliest days of all of this, obviously, but, uh, you know, you and I were both at this, uh, at our recent Express Sessions event in East Hampton, which was about the future of the village and talking about how it was about housing. It was about housing. It turned into <laughs> all of them. They all turned into a, a, a and, and this one in particular did, um, you know, towards the end, because that really is the the real pressure and i have to say it gets discouraging uh, mayor jerry larson and i and and this isn't a shot at at the mayor at all but you know in talking to the mayor about in east hampton village well you know the chf and like and and the mayor's yeah we need more affordable housing we just don't have any place to put it in the village so sorry uh, you know i'm afraid these trying to come up with real workable impactful solutions to the affordable housing crisis it just seems very elusive um and this is another example of it that i think the town's trying 
uh, to do what they can, but it's just not getting that much traction. And it, it's starting to get disillusioning. I, I don't see why the, the village couldn't, you know, adopt a, an accessory apartment um, policy or law. They, they could. Then there's plenty of there's plenty of properties, you know, sort of in that um, north and uh, east of Newtown Lane, uh, Cooper and some of those. The problem is that those properties are all getting bought by people with so much money now that they just don't they don't care. I mean, people like me who were scratching to barely pay their mortgage yeah. for 20 years, uh, you know, I would have loved to. I mean, I had roommates for the first 10 years that I that I owned my house. Uh, and that was just, you know, people that I saw in the kitchen every night, you know, and some of them were strangers. Some of them were people I knew before. And, you know, that's that's uncomfortable. And it would have been great to have been had a way to create a structure. But the cost is there. And, you know, I think that I think that the CHF and some of these other programs um, do. I, I think the most promise that they have is in the is in that sort of upfront cost uh, assistance, because. I mean, you got people that are, uh, you know, painting houses, landscaping, cleaning pools out here that make a lot of money compared to anywhere else. The problem is that houses are expensive. Mortgages are mortgages. A lot of them are paying as much as a mortgage would be anyway in rent. You know, getting assistance with the down payment with that $120,000 that you need to come up with to buy a house. Uh, you know, getting assistance with the hundred thousand dollars that it costs to to add an apartment uh, into part of your house, I think that makes a big difference uh, for a lot of people, and that would that would that would move the sure. needle at least on these um, a little bit, and I think it'll move the needle on the purchasing of houses. I mean, yes, it'll just drive up the cost of housing even more because more people are in, but. You know, I mean, people are in good livings out here and, uh, you know, we're going to need the real workforce housing, um, you know, instead of the 25 people living in a house together, that's going to have to be uh, multifamily. I mean, there's kind of no way around it and we're going to have to figure that out eventually. There's going to have to be layers and and, and levels and, you know, and, and what what applies to one doesn't apply to, to the other. And it's, it's accessory structures. It's building apartments, you know, on, on the municipal level. It's, yeah, East Hampton's got over a hundred apartments in the pipeline, you know, yeah. uh, and and an intent to build a lot more quickly. It's all of that though. I mean, it's a, it's a combination. You can't, yeah. there's no one one solution to the problem. You have to, you know, there's people who, who are, you know, working, um, you know, who aren't making, you know, the same money that the pool guys are, are, are making and some of the restaurant workers are making. And you've got to, you know, you, you've got to address them. You've got to address the the doctors and, and the lawyers who can't afford a down payment and, you know, to buy a house out here. And Teachers, teachers, teachers. and cops yeah. are the two big ones because, I mean, they make they make good money out here. But, you know, when you're starting out, I mean, you got you got a. a, a a cop and his wife's a teacher and combined they're making you know 250 grand and you know you can't, you can't it takes you a long time to save up for a down payment on yeah. a on a million dollar house in springs even at that which is you know mind-boggling if anybody you know west of the hudson river is listening to this <laughs> their heads will pop off so do we think that um east hampton is doing the best of the five east end towns when it comes to creating new 
no offense to Southampton, but they're the only one doing anything. Yeah. Frankly. And Southampton has yeah. Southampton created that Sandy Hollow apartments, which are beautiful and and the model of what you want out here. You know, East Hampton did their first one of those 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and they did, you know, Springs apartments when I first started covering East Hampton in like 2004 or something like that. I think they had started that and they finished them right when we started the East Hampton Press in 2007 or eight. You know, those they're, they're super popular. They're full all the time. The housing authority built Gansett Meadows, which is I forget how many of you 45 or 55. And, you know, those are gone instantly. Uh, they're going to they've got 50 more coming online on Three Mile Harbor Road that I'm sure are long ago booked. Um, and when the town builds, uh, I think they're going to build 60 more over there on 114, you know, those will go instantly too, because that kind of housing is actually super popular, super popular, um, among, you know, young professionals that, you know, yeah, like you said, they might be making 150 grand a year, the rent in Gansett apartments, you know, a, a two bedroom in there is over $2,000. It's like, I mean, you got to be making a lot of money. That's yeah. like, this is not uh, this is not low income housing by any means. So can I, Mike? Can I ask you where, um, which school district has built all of its uh, accessory apartments? Do you know which? I'm one? sure it's Springs, yeah. but I don't know that to be honest. But I'm sure it's Springs. That's got to be <laughs> okay. It might be East Hampton just because it's big, but yeah. Springs is going to be where that. But it's probably not. It's probably not Amagansett, and it's probably not Wayne Springs. Doesn't have. I mean, they had. You had to have three quarters of an acre up until now, so that's sort of limiting yeah. in Springs because there's not a ton mm. of that. But there's there's quite a bit, and a lot of those houses do have garages, and you know, on, on properties that side had like a mm -hmm. garage. A lot of them, a lot of them probably had illegal apartments in them already. That all you had to do was make sure it was up to code and say, hey, here's my here's my apartment, and now it's legal, and you know. Presumably, we're charging not too much more than what the affordable number I want is. to throw out the point, too, that we talked about Southampton and East Hampton. But Riverhead has certainly created uh, affordable apartments, and they've done it without a lot of, I think, just the market has driven a lot of that. And obviously, Riverhead is a different situation because they're they're able to build taller structures it fits the, the river riverhead has a singular downtown um, yeah you, you know where i mean you, looking at, at southampton or east hampton you've got all these different hamlets and villages and and all that and, and riverhead was able to you know to focus in on a downtown revitalization at the same time and and build those those big apartment buildings and you know and and all that they, they had a much more they had a much more building centric downtown as it right. is you know it wasn't like yeah. everybody in southampton and east hampton is clutching right. at pearls over the quaintness of the downtown you know you need you need buildings with apartments but my point is river riverhead fills that gap to some degree it's kind right. of ironic because well, riverhead is the one of the five eight east end towns that didn't participate in in the community housing fund yeah, Riverheads are affordable housing. Yeah, yeah. Already, just like Spring has been the affordable housing for East Hampton for decades, because of zoning and people in Wainscott, you know, God bless their beautiful little one room school, didn't have to build a new school a hundred years ago because zoning protected them from that, or they would have the same problem. But now they scream and yell that, oh my God, our school is going to be gone mm. because somebody's proposing mm -hmm. to build affordable housing in the school district. You know, 
guess what? Your time, you, everybody's time yeah. comes eventually. Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't have moved to someplace so popular. Yeah. Just wait till they put the four lane highway through there. They're going to love that. Yeah. Nobody comes here anymore. It's too crowded. Yeah. Nobody eats there anymore. It's too crowded. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that's, and that's Riverhead, you know, you, you look at Riverhead that, that really is where everybody's uh, everybody's moving to a good friend of mine who's got divorced and her kids go to the East Hampton schools and, you know, she had to move to Riverhead and thank goodness that her husband found a place in East Hampton so that they, the kids keep getting to go there. But so now she has to, you know, see her kids less because they've, had to, they have to live in a different town than she does. And she has to commute to East Hampton from Riverhead, yeah. which, you know, there's the other thing that is all anybody talks about, which is traffic. And that's the problem. It's, yeah. you know, Long Island's got plenty of affordable housing, but don't have a job in East Hampton. Right. So Joe, do we think there, or Bill, do we think that there's any chance that like Southampton and East Hampton, now that we have the community housing fund in place and approved in both, that they might work together to figure out how they can maybe maximize their um, pot of money or use it in an effective way that serves both towns well? I, I think each town is different. And as Mike pointed out, East Hampton has, has already done a lot as far as providing um, apartments and, and all that. I, I think where the partnership will probably come in in, in the four towns that, that have the CHF, hopefully is is through trial and error, Southampton sees what East Hampton did, what worked and what didn't work and and vice versa. And, you know, East Hampton does this, you know, accessory unit thing and it's successful. So Southampton and South Holt say, hey, that worked down there. Let's, you know, let's try that here. Hopefully that's the working together. I, I think the, the way it's set up, you can't pool the money. So you can't create one, you know, one one fund and it would just get all all sticky and um, you know, difficult to to try to do that. But 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 yeah, yeah. yeah hopefully it, it's communication and working together that way to see to see what's working. I think if if one town comes up and, and look, I'm sure they're all talking together now about the plans and stuff, but you see one thing that works really well, um, you know, you'll see the other four adopt it. The other, the other thing we touched on it um, a little bit earlier, I think they're going to have to work together by taking a regional approach on the uh, on the rules, on the idea on that the rules. I think it's a yeah. perfect example of, you know, if you're creating an affordable uh, housing space for somebody who works in the restaurant industry, you can't then turn around and penalize that person for, for taking a better job in the neighboring town. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's. Or a bank, a bank or a it's like indentured agent. servitude. Otherwise, I mean, you're you're not allowed to leave. Yeah, there's going to be no way to set a rule that says it can. You have to be in our town, and you know, I get what the concern is there, but yeah, it's going to have to go both ways, and it's otherwise it's just not going to work. You know, maybe it's going to have to be that they're just going to adopt that rule, and then they're going to get murdered for it, and they're going to have yeah. to change. It. The other question I have is like, remember, when it, you know, I don't know what happened with this, the plan, but the, you know, the Atlantic golf club that wanted to build like dormitories for their summer employees and actually deal with that themselves. And they got hit with all kinds of complaints about that. Right. And people right. just, well, didn't... that's, you know, that's because people freak out about dormitories. Also that was going to go, I mean, are they still building it? I think, I thought they were still building it. It got approved, didn't it? Um, you know, it's going to go in like this, this sort of like lush little vista across this field that 
looks on it's like a, a hill and a valley and it fills with fog in the morning and that that grass gets very dewy and it's it's kind of very romantic i mean it's it's as you're driving by it's literally like three seconds but nonetheless they were going to put a structure right in the middle of that and i think people freak out about that people freak out about dormitories because you know they picture you know clotheslines with uh shirts hanging outside and that kind of thing and egads this is the hamptons we can't have that this is there's going to be a lot of that though and that i think that that you know you see it every time of, i mean look we we'll, we we'll, talked about uh sandy hollow in in southampton that was a project that had intense opposition to it people went to war yeah. over that and and quite frankly lost their shizzo yeah and and quite frankly i think if you take a step back and look at sandy hollow now you have to consider it sort of the blueprint for how to do a project yeah. like that it nobody even knows it's there it's so tuck, yeah, tucked yeah, yeah. away and and it's it's completely full and everybody's happy and um curtis highsmith was talking about um, who is the uh, director of, of the Southampton Housing Authority. He works there during the day. And he says, the best way I can tell you that things are working perfectly here is there's nobody here during the day because they're all working. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. Yeah. Do we know who the, who the residents are there? Are these, are the, you know, like how did they fill that? Because I know another big criticism of any affordable housing plan is that people are going to come from, you know, hundreds of miles away to swoop yeah. in and take these apartments. Like how did, how, who lives at Sandy Hollow and how did they fill that? It was a lottery. Yeah. The same, the same thing at the end. Yeah. It's lotteries. And it's the same thing at the Amagansett, um, uh, Gansett Meadows. Uh, and I think, you know, they've, they've hit it back. I think it's 90% people that already lived in East Hampton or, or, uh, or lived or worked in East Hampton. Right, exactly. And that's really what you're getting at. And yes, I mean, there's, they can't just say it's only for this and that, but they can prioritize who, uh, who, who gets the apartments. And, um, you know, it's the kind of thing that these things, these things are giant lotteries yeah. that are filled up instantly. If you live in New Jersey or, you know, or in upstate New York, you don't know that that lottery was happening. I mean, this is people that have been on the email list with the local housing authorities for a decade yeah, and, or more. And the 10 percent of people who aren't in the area are people who now live in Patchogue and places like that who are from here and they want yeah. to move back. So they're not right. they're not or had living. some connection. I mean, there was there, there are a couple, you know, the, the naysayers always find the. Uh, find the people that gamed the system somehow there was there's a woman at Gansett Meadows who of course there's going to be outliers. like a summer person with her family owns like multiple houses out here and yeah. you know something she's a loop-de-loo and somehow got in there but you know, that that's just going to happen but that's like one two units people freaked out about that well let's not get into that but um yeah it, these things these things go to local families when they go through those lotteries that's who it is it's people that live and work here yeah and i mean that's something all of the experts all of the experts say that you're going to need to keep building them yeah the only the only problem with building those um apartments like that is that is the traffic issue and that where they really need to be built is around the hamlet centers you know mm -hmm. watermill should be surrounded by small apartment buildings and a uh, watermill is actually a bad example because there's no train station. East Hampton Village, South Hampton Village, they should have apartment complexes 
going in there and they should be three or four stories high because that's just smart growth. And we screwed that up a hundred years ago. Now maybe there's the opportunity. Yeah, the land's expensive. Well, now we're going to have a, a ton of money because of how expensive land is. So, mm-hmm. you know, you need to start tackling those and villages who aren't the most famous of giving a crap about anybody else uh, are going to be the hurdle in that, certainly. Mm-hmm. Amagansett's not a village. <laughs> no. Montauk's not a village. No. It's going to be the topic of conversation for a while now. And I'm going to be really interested to see what East Hampton and the things that they talked about this week and, and see how it, it, see if it does start to create a little bit of a momentum that's not there now. Um, it's going to be something to watch. No question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the rules are there. Listen, it's going to, it's going to be about the money and whether you decide that CHF can just help people with equity in in a property, which there's plenty of people that are uh, boiled into that world right now that don't think that's a good idea. They don't think that the down payment uh, assistance thing is a good idea. And, you know, for good reasons, there's there's pitfalls, but um, that, you know, that's, I, it's, it's going to be hard to avoid um, that conversation uh, with people, you know, especially as those, uh, as those bank accounts start filling up and you're sort of stuck, unless it's just going to, you know, go to building projects, which is just fine. I mean, East Hampton's got 16 single family homes. You know, they, they built probably the most successful home ownership, affordable housing out here, Green Hollow in like 2002, 2003. I got a good buddy who got one of those houses when him and his wife were young teachers, they still live there. And it's like this beautiful neighborhood that again, same thing. I went to those public hearings uh, with people screaming, screaming about how you were destroying their property values because you were going to build a bunch of houses for poor people near them, freaking out, freaking out. And now you can't even tell that neighborhood from the neighborhood that those people lived in other than that most of the houses don't have swimming pools. It's, yeah, we we need to get a hold of ourselves, frankly. <laughs> Although we're going to, we're going to do that now over airports and sewer systems and so you're not going to be outsourced anytime soon <laughs> or replaced by artificial intelligence writing your stories, which I'm really oh. curious about that. <laughs> I actually I actually bought that program. Did you? <laughs> no, really? Did you, I wonder you if you noticed in my stories this week? Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I think we need to do a story on AI and let AI write it. Mike is actually artificially generated. He's, well, he doesn't actually exist. You'll know when I switch to that because Brendan won't find any grammatical errors in my story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, he will. <laughs> you'll finally get the it's it's thing with the apostrophe down can we use ai to maybe write the script for our podcast and we'll just read it oh there you go you know what i mean wouldn't that be hilarious Boy, yeah let's not encourage it well we're that just trying to prove how much wittier and yeah. and authentic we are and once we read from a automated script you'll be like but no. what if we're not well, I'm I'm close enough to where I could probably figure out how to retire. In if I Joe have. Shaw's ideal world, we would just type in what we're saying, and the computer would generate our voices or those random voices that you hear in the videos. <laughs> well, if you remember the the doc the documentary about uh, uh, the the chef uh, who committed suicide, yeah, Anthony Bourdain, they Anthony did that. Bourdain. They actually did that in the documentary. Oh, that's right. They did. They AI'd him. Where they that's AI'd right. his voice reading things that he had written. But that's a line 
that's a line. Uh, it's it's a line. Yeah, that was creepy and weird. Nah, yeah, I agree with you. I didn't yeah. think that was necessary either. I was like, really, you're going to ruin your entire reputation over that two sentences? Yeah, exactly. You know, just have the guy read yeah. it who got the email. You don't need to have Anthony Bourdain raised. I didn't mind that. I thought it was good. I thought it, well, I just thought it was like, you know, I don't know. I just thought it was, it was only like literally a two sentence thing. So like, why risk your entire? Yeah. The whole voice from the grave thing is very enticing for, you know. We we love that sort of thing, kind of in a, it's true. a morbid way, right? Well, I mean, listen, it it tells the story, doesn't it? Talk about a picture's worth a thousand words. Twenty Seven Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27east.com, and sagharborexpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.